Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the I Got Five on it and Talk That Jive on it <laughs> to pick the best movie for any given year. I am your host, Greg. With me, as always, is Mike. I'm going to go with the I Got Five on it and the- Ryan can have the Talk Jive on it. Ryan? Yes. Do you accept that? I guess that's me. Tonight we are talking about the movie Us. And guys, I have to say, is there a more 2019 movie than Us? Than the almost 2018 movie Us? <laughs> I think Us represents 2019 in a way nothing else does. And how do you mean? Just, I mean, the three of us are on the pulse. We already know what the politics are with the news of the day. We're <laughs> white clawing it up. We're baby yoding up. <laughs> us knows everything about right now. Does it feel at all to you like Us did not come out in 2019, but came out like so long ago? Oh, for sure. And part of it is because every year now it takes five years. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Obama. And the other thing, too, is that it uh, burns so brightly so quickly, you know, that it feels like a long time ago. It didn't like even the farewell sort of burned a little bit and then yeah. hung around in conversation. Us was like we were all about it and then sort of stopped. We should probably get into why that is, because I think that's very true. We were so into the movie before it was ever in the theaters, and then everybody went and saw it, and then it was just like, maybe there was like two memes, and now it's just as if it never even happened. Is that and, and you, th- th- there's Even though things are a change in, I think it's a twofold thing of a stigma against January, February released movies, and against horror movies, and us falls in all of that. So yeah. it burned bright and hard fast, and then I truly think we all just fucking, tax season rolls around. End game hits, and then you fucking forget about everything before that. Yeah, there is the culture of, you know, we have to move on from one. Like, if you don't watch Stranger Things on the first night it comes out, yeah. you don't get to talk about it. Um, but I had, I think I had less of a, that experience than you did, Greg. I, I remember the conversation going on for a really long time, and the box office was crazy. Like, boffo, right? It, it was boffo box office. Um, it sort of stayed in the top five for a really, really, really long time. And I think that's uh, because of word of mouth, and also it does lend itself to multiple viewings. Yeah, that's definitely true. I watched it twice. My thing is, I didn't see it when it first came out, so maybe I didn't experience as much of that because you just don't notice it if you're not right. like, part of it. You know, you're not part of the, the wave of watching it. But I did not see it originally because I am afraid of scary movies and I don't want to watch them. But I and I wasn't going to watch. I considered not watching this for the show, and I would just host the show and let you guys <laughs> talk about it. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch it. And so I did, and it did not scare me too much, but that's because I watched it in the middle of the day and knew everything that happened in the movie because I read about it on Wikipedia. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how did the Wikipedia memory of it hold up to actually watching it? Um, the Wikipedia does a really good job of recapping horror movies, and I, like, I know everything that happens in Hereditary, but I still think Hereditary would be scary. I think in a lot of ways, and we'll talk about like where, what genre this movie most belongs to later in the show, but I think there are times where Jordan Peele actively decides, like, I don't want to make everybody miserable by scaring them as much as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. He does enough to show you, like, guys, if I really wanted to ruin you, I totally could. But <laughs> I want to ma- scarier? Not for yeah. the movie, but now I'm scared of Jordan fucking Peele? There are moments in this movie where he's like, I could break you, but I think it'd be more fun to have a laugh here, so let's, like, do a, let's do a laugh. That, and he's definitely more interested in heebie-jeebies than jump scares. Yes. And so that is always going to be my favorite, but it feels like you're less scared while you're watching it because yeah. you didn't jump out of your seat. 
But then for weeks later, you were more scared than if it was just jump scares. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all ever notice how many fucking mirrors are in your house to let you watch us? (laughs) And how you're definitely not smiling in your life, but the person in the mirror has this weird smile on it. There are those moments where you catch your reflection, where it just feels like it was just doing something different, and you're like, wait a minute. I'm not sure about this. Uh, Do you think this movie at all will be compared to Annihilation for its cloniness? Yeah, probably. Um, But... Annihilation still, even though we watched it when it came out and then did a show on it, yeah. so we had to watch it again, um, the cloniness is still sort of up in the air of like what it was. And this one is definitely clear, like what is going on, you know? There's multiple exposition drops in this movie. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. We are definitely going to get deep into like explaining what we think happens in this movie, which the movie itself <laughs> does a yeah. couple of times, as you point out. But before we do that, would you guys accompany me on a little road trip to a place I like to call Mount Rushmore? Mount Rushmore. I built this, you guys. Look. Uh, hey. Yeah. Do you see it? It's uh, it's very, it's very big and magnificent, and I built it. You tried so hard. I did, and I got so far, and in the end, I think I made a big difference. Um. <laughs> But it probably seems horrifying to you because there's no heads on any of the bodies on the mountain. Is this because of a horror movie? Like, ooh, headless. No, it's because uh, I want to put some heads on this mountain. And I felt like I couldn't do it without my two special guys, Uh, Mike uh, Mike and Ryan. Oh! You guys. I call Mike. uh, In opposite order. So I was hoping that we could all come together and talk about some clones. And what are some of the best pop culture clones? Because, frankly, us, a lot of those characters, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, they were clones. So, we do, we're doing... Uh, <laughs> oh, Mike, I can see it just dawning on him, bud. That's why there was a whole bunch of them that looked like the other ones. That completely... <laughs> yeah, dude, it's in there. It's subtle. Their movie was called Not Us. They're different than <laughs> us. Um, we're doing... There cl- should be a word for that, Not Us. <laughs> uh, clones, doppelgangers. Is that different than a clone? I feel like doppelganger. there's something inherently bad about doppelgangers, and there's something up for grabs about clones. Clones can just be, they're just copies of you. They might be okay. There's maybe a little tension. Doppelganger. (laughs) That's propaganda from big clone. Kill all clones you see. I'm going after that sheep dolly next week. Oh, see, that's the thing. You don't have to be told that if if there's an exact copy of you that you, you have to kill it or it has to kill you. I think that's a base instinct. Yeah. I think as soon as you see your doppelganger, and doppelganger is... But it's definitely something like with kind of ill intent, right? You you got to kill it or it's got to kill you. There can be only one. It's Highlander rules. And then doubles is b- sort of both of those. Clones, doppelgangers, and doubles. But this is not twins. This doubles is Doubles is someone who weirdly just looks like you, right? I see. Yeah, like... Like okay. uh, Elaine's new friends there on is, Seinfeld? Yeah. Yes. And there's a weird trope in literature where... And it engages with the same stuff that Us does. But like where a character comes across somebody who looks exactly like them as if it's their twin brother but maybe not even related just someone who is like their double and it's hard for you to see your own double unless it's freakily close like yeah you guys might see a second me and be like that's crazy but i sort of wouldn't see it unless it was exactly like me yeah right because you don't you're vain as hell and everybody knows it but you don't spend that much time looking at yourself in the mirror not that much time no it's mostly just pictures of me also you'd be like um that doesn't look like me that guy's way fatter than i am (laughs) and he would be looking at you thinking the exact same thing (laughs) 
And Greg and I just shifting our eyes side to side going, oh. <laughs> Real quick before we get started, um, this is not something that we typically have to say it for Rushmore's, but I want to do it for this one. Um, if you are spoiler adverse because of the nature of the topic, oh, we yeah. might ruin shit right now. Yeah. Because people love using this as the twist. Uh-huh. So just be careful if you're... If you haven't seen a lot of stuff, but you're about to, yeah. if you're just about to go see everything, um, watch out in this segment. And if you haven't seen us, go read the wiki before you listen to this <laughs> podcast. That's the only way to enjoy the podcast. Well, read really. the wiki of this episode <laughs> of the podcast. The Your Pop Filter wiki. Wiki. <laughs> <laughs> and is, is this spring to all fields of pop culture? I think so, right? Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, definitely. Just <laughs> Mine are only music. I, my general <laughs> rule, guys, is just spray it all over. You know? <laughs> That's good of you. <laughs> you know, I'm just very laid back. All right, Ryan, let's go to you first, and let's start off with Ryan. a point for you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Wow. Well, uh, it, that does give us a good time to bring up that um, I have won so many in a row. This is a competition. Mike hasn't won in years. A very basically. long it's, time. It's been a while. Um, and, Greg, I think I'm going to be your best friend again today. Uh-oh. Starting not just with that point, but I, I'm here to like just bring all of the, the classic movie knowledge. Yeah. Like uh, I'm a film buff. That's your role. I'm a cineast, but... Um, we're going to have to start with the actual most iconic, and that's Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Michael dude, Keaton dude, and Michael Keaton dude. in Multiplicity. Boom shakalaka! That's a boom shakalaka. Yeah, that is a boom shakalaka. That's a different category of points <laughs> that only I keep track of. Uh, yeah, for sure. Multiplicity, dude. Very... I- iconic? Is it? I, I feel like it, it, it that if it you're has... in this if you're in this circle, and by this circle I mean the triangle that the three of us make. Yes, because yeah. even Taylor doesn't know about this movie. It's iconic. We talk about it a lot to make us think that everybody's talking about this movie still. That's what I can't tell. I can't tell if everybody cares about this movie or I'm just surrounded by people who do. Because you know, I don't feel like I see a bunch of references to it. Like... I think it's still a big deal. Um, I love how we start every multiplicity conversation with. I can't believe everybody's talking about this movie yeah. so much. <laughs> Um, I think it's pretty big, um, but maybe I'm just uh, too obsessed with our bubble. They're all slightly different versions, worse and worse copies. Yes, which I that's, think that's the key to the movie. Because Michael Keaton gets himself cloned, and then the clone's like, "I could really use a clone," so he goes and gets cloned. But then that one is like, "What's the third one? Is he just kind of like effeminate?" Uh huh. Okay, that's unfortunate. Yeah. But then the last one is a clone of a clone of a clone of a clone of a clone, and he's just like broken and. Uh, I specifically love this movie because my grandma bought it on VHS and then made me a copy of a copy of her VHS. So to watch that fourth Michael Keaton on my VHS (laughs) copy was a lot. He was basically a puddle of Keaton. All right. That's going to go right up on the mountain, of course. Start chiseling that head ASAP Rocky. Okay, Mike, from the Rockies, what is up? What do you got for our list? There, There is a clone... And a, a clone, what do you call like a very long story? It just goes on and on and on. Saga? Is it There's, saga? There is a clone saga that yes, introduced me is. to the world of comic books. I yes, picked up like halfway is. through the clone saga from a 7-Eleven comic book paper stand. Super confused, but I love the bright colors. You could choose a thousand Spider-Man clones. He's had so many. But I think the blue hoodie sweater wearing vest guy, Ben Riley himself, is the ultimate Peter Parker The clone. audacity. The fucking cojones. <laughs> It must take to accuse me or like us of being the only people to talk about multiplicity and it shouldn't go on. And then to bring up Ben fucking Riley, the the head of all of the committees of things that we only talk about and nobody else does. (laughs) Listen, 
It is so trendy to hate on the Clone Saga and specifically to hate on Ben Riley. But the one thing you can't hate on, and if you try to do it in my prem- in my presence, I will freak out, is that Scarlet Spider uh-huh. costume. Yeah. It's awesome. That turned out to be iconic. People hated it so much at the time, they were freaking out. It's but not it, a vest, right? It's like a pink sweatshirt a with a, the sleeves it's ripped off. With the sleeves ripped off. <laughs> yeah. And if honestly, if we didn't have Scarlet Spider's hoodie, we wouldn't have Gwen. Sp- we wouldn't have Spider Gwen's hoodie, and Spider Gwen's hood is like the most important thing to have in Spider Man in twenty years. Scarlet Spider dresses as a guy who practices nunchucks in his bedroom, <laughs> and then he had these like big weird things around his wrist. He basically uh. had like bondage gear on his wrists and ankles. He was just somebody just like catapulted the nineties directly at his costume, and he's covered in it. Right, but that is definitely going right up on the mountain. Because that is a delicious saga of clones. Ryan, who do you have? All right, let's get back to uh, the big time. I know Michael Keaton and Ben Riley. Like that's how we get the ratings. Exactly. That's how we get the clicks. Um, but those are the iconic performances. Uh, I think that we have to bring up Kim Novak in Vertigo. Uh, I'm still not sure exactly how this works, but um, Jimmy Stewart falls in love with someone who looks like her, and then she dies, and then finds her again, uh-huh. and. It's never really explained, it, you know, like who, like their relationship, except for the fact that in Jimmy Stewart's brain, there's this is a double, this is a clone, this is a doppelganger. Um, I I think that there's bonus points for this movie because watching it now, we see that Hitchcock was doing this to actresses, yeah. just trying to recreate the same look for everyone, and so sort of he was still creepy as fuck before and after the movie, uh-huh. but you know, I think he did uh, try to like comment on himself with this like this thing that dudes do of like fall in love with this idea and then just keep trying to do it over again. Yeah. You basically fall in love with a 24 year old, a pretty 24 year old then is like double pretty. Right. And then you try to just recreate that and she stops being what you need her to be. Right. Which is 25. Yeah. She turns 25. <laughs> I mean, isn't Leonardo DiCaprio is what he's doing and the cutoff is literally 25. Yeah. And I have to say now that I'm like in my mid to late thirties, I have seen every type of person there is. Like, I've seen every face. I just, there's not that many faces. We feel like there's a lot, but there's really not that many. And in my lifetime, I have seen three versions of every single Mm -hmm. actress. Like, it just happens. The way that uh, Kira Knightley is just Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman, yeah. Like, it just happens. They do it on purpose. And so, I got to put it up there. I know, I'm just putting up everything I see. On the mountain. But that is so important. And I'm glad you asked about doubles, because that's the thing. She's not a clone, but... There's no science involved. Or, or is, is she? she? Yeah, Read dude. between the lines. There's a heavy scientific conspiracy. What I want to hang on to is the idea that it's not explained in the movie. I want to talk about that in our next segment when we talk about us again. The, the explaining or not explaining something. Mike, there's only one spot left. I, it's kind of reserved for Ryan, but I'm going to let you throw out a candidate here. Thank you for letting me at least try. Yeah, um, you know what? I, you're gracious enough to come on. You have your own I, mic. This, this next clone, I think, uh, full of nuance, has been a hero, has been a villain. She's ruled the silver screen for the last almost 30 years now. Uh, I think we've been pretty specious in saying only humans. But imagine a world where scientists could find bugs from millions of years ago and take the blood that's in those bugs and then make a modern T-Rex. Oh. I think she is one of the most important cinematic clones ever. Oh, wow. That's very clever. Also, in one way or another... Hot Filter Hall of Famer, right? Like, the movie, the original movie's in the Hall of Fame, but that's just because of that T-Rex, let's be honest. You guys, 
that movie is like one of the best things to ever happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, like, I I think I'm deep enough into my life to evaluate how it's going so far. And I think when it's all said and done, that's going to be very high up on the things that happened to my own personal life. <laughs> well, I'm going to put her on the maybe pile, but just because I want to at least get a couple more of these clones out. But I got to say, she is looking like the king of the mountain. All right, Ryan, back to you, buddy. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to top that. So that's, um, I want to talk about The Great Dictator. This is another double where oh, Charlie yeah. Chaplin um, gets to be the Hitler of, the, of his world. Right there. That's a classic right there. <laughs> that is a classic. Um, this has been done a lot of times since then. Um, Dave, probably a better movie than The Great, probably our a better f- movie than Dave. In, yeah. Producer <laughs> Dave. Producer <laughs> Dave. He is a better Hitler. And a clone. We kill him at the end of every episode and then get a new one. I have to say, I am pissed at the movie Dave. And I don't think there are a lot of people who are pissed about the movie Dave. But here's why I'm pissed. That movie posits that if you just took any stupid idiot who happened to just look like the president and make him the president, that he could do a better job. Because politicians are so fucking stupid and they're so bad at their jobs. And if they just tried to make things better, they could. And it led America to believe that, yeah, you could put any chuckle fuck in there and he would do a better (laughs) job than someone who is actually professional and good. And fuck, guys, that's why we have Donald Trump. Do you think Trump is because of Dave? Because of the movie Dave and our friend (laughs) producer Dave who canvassed for him for a long time. (laughs) Dave is actually from Russia and has been using this podcast to get Trump elected. <laughs> I wish we were, I wish we didn't have such a big hand in that, you guys. All right, Mike, what do you got, bud? Uh, I also I think so. He's going fucking Hitchcock and Chaplin. I was somebody else whose thumbprint is all over the history of movies is Michael Myers, and he said, "What if clones were also little people?" Mini me from Austin <laughs> Powers too. <laughs> Wow. Uh, Vern Troyer? Yeah. Is he still with us or he did he die not. recently? No. Uh, man, he lived hard and fast <laughs> and real tiny. We loved that joke. It was him but tiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he loved with a him. a very deep voice. And yeah. he loved him. It was the one saving grace of Dr. Evil. He yeah. loved that little him so <laughs> he much. He loved that little him. Also, I think another thing about Dr. Evil that's very good is he pretended that he wrote the song. What if God was one of us? <laughs> what a what a light, weird thing to pretend to have invented. Which, speaking of our president, that is so Trumpian now. Um, I, Mini-Me is also, and Mike Byers and Dr. Evil is uh, so influential that uh, superstar pitcher Pedro Martinez found an even yes. smaller person than, Mini, than Vern Troyer and then carried him around to baseball games and stuff. Really? Having having tiny uh, identical sidekicks was a straight up trend <laughs> in the late nineties. What a weird time! What a simpler. Josie, do you remember Josie? Oh yeah, Josie, also dead. Also dead. Wow. Was that Kid Rock's little guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> remember how sad Carson Daly was when Josie died? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Apparently, they were very close. They were really good friends. Well. You know, the real Mount Rushmore, is, which is what I call my Mount Rushmore, but the original Mount Rushmore, which I hate, the main problem is it had four heads on it. What are you doing, Greg? It had four on it. I don't like that. Oh, but it looks like I'm going to have five on mine. Hang on, everybody. We're putting the T-Rex up. Ryan. That point goes no, to Ryan. That was, that was a mic. Okay, fine. Ryan. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea culpa. He's going to get so mad. No, okay, hang on. That was a mistake. I thought that would be a funny bit, but I'm losing control of the story. Look how purple his face is. (laughs) You you could push Mike really far. 
But when you get him right to the edge, you have to stop. You absolutely have to stop. Otherwise, you will lose everything. Because he's about to break. Yeah. So Mike's going to get another one there. Uh, and then I'm going to put up Mini-Me. You know what? An iconic uh, clone. They don't always have to be the same size. Well, Mike, your purple-headedness have put you very far in the lead. I probably can't catch up. <laughs> I was scrambling there, man. I got I got very scared. You look like a six-foot penis right now. I hope it was worth it. I was becoming a big clone of me. Ryan, read us our beautiful five-headed mountain. Your uh, doppelganger double and clone mountain is Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, and, uh, and Michael Keaton from Multiplicity, Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider from the Clone, the clone saga. saga, Kim Novak, and other actresses from Vertigo, Tyrannosaurus Rex, probably should have been a raptor, but whatever, from Jurassic Park, and Mini-Me from Austin Powers. <gasps> Pet detective. International Man of, Mister- <laughs> Man of Mystery? I think, yeah, that's the first one, right? Yeah. Well, I'm looking at this mountain, and all I can think is... That's a classic right there. That's a classic right there. When we come back, it's time to answer some hard-hitting question. Two years after blowing the world away with Get Out, Jordan Peele returned with Us. In response to the genre confusion of his first film, Peele's second feature was intended to be straight-up, make-you-piss-your-pants horror, while also expanding the scope of Peele as a storyteller. Dealing with the invisible class situations that affect privilege that we deal with every day, Us finds the Wilson family beset by red jumpsuited, gold-scissor-carrying, underground-dwelling Morlock versions of themselves in Santa Cruz, California. Taste Buds, I ask you this. So what's going on with these doubles? Where do they really come from? And are we supposed to care? <laughs> this is this is a movie this is a movie that spends a lot of time establishing exactly where these things where well, these people come from. We know physically where they come from. They do come from those tunnels underneath, and the little Star Wars crawl in the beginning says, apparently, and I didn't look up, but now I avoid every sewer that the US is just <laughs> fucking littered is just lousy with underground tunnels any oh. movie that can uh get you mike to avoid sewers is <laughs> i am stoked about like finally. my safe place but yeah the crawl in the beginning uh or it doesn't move up so like just the words in the beginning um say there's all these tunnels and uh that the government had built for various reasons yeah and then the next one is like i swear to god trust me i fucking i promise they're down there they're still <laughs> okay. down there okay the tunnels are a perfect example of what I think might potentially be a problem or is something we just need to figure out, which has to do with the explanation of this. If you have tunnels, you don't have them under the beach in Santa Cruz, Uh right? That's not a place where there would actually be tunnels. The water table would fuck up with your whole infrastructure. uh, Of any sort. So it doesn't make any sense that those tunnels are like under the area where they're supposed to be under. And it's supposed to be that the the government built these facilities, right? Well, and so here, so they say in the film, Red says the government built these facilities to control people, like fluoride in the water, right? But yeah. that's also it's one little girl who suffered a huge trauma as an eight-year-old and was taken to these tunnels. She's decided this is both the government and God yeah. want all of this to happen. Okay. I don't know. Everybody's when talking about this movie, people generally say that's what's going on. I don't know if Red is supposed to be a reliable narrator. I agree with that. So, okay. But something's going on, though. But something is going on, right? Uh, uh, so, um, but there is no 
evidence is there any evidence in the movie that w- her version of events is not the correct understanding of what's going on i think the only evidence besides that like she's probably a little looney tunes right like she has, i got the sense that she was a little messed up like, in the head yeah loco and la cabeza yeah for sure. dude, the cabeza for sure uh but like and so it, she's hard to believe everyone's hard to believe we know that uh, water tables and whatnot we're always uh-huh. talking about water tables um, I'm either talking about water tables or contrails, and you guys can decide which one you want. But, like, how important is this? I feel like uh, Jordan Peele is a big Twilight Zone fan, yeah. right? And, like, the how he gets to his ideas in the movie just sort of mean less than what the ideas are. Yeah. Like, the, the how the tunnels exist. Um, I, I get the feeling, for better or worse, that Jordan Peele, throughout his entire life of pretending that Keegan-Michael Key is of equal talent to him... Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Oh, damn. Right. I had, like, all these ideas flooding his head. And I think that the movie is sort of barfing them all out. And in a lot of ways, that's good. In a lot of ways, it is kind of rocky. But I think that Peel is very similar to the little girl uh, watching TV in the first scene where she is inundated with pop culture. We see VHS movies that all pop up. Chud. I saw Chud. Chud. There's a a direct line from Goonies, and Goonies is on one of the VHS uh, of course, multiplicity is there because that's in every single yeah. home and everybody knows about that. Uh, and every commercial that she's watching, they're all just creating all these ideas that she then spits into the world. And becomes like a religion. That's Jordan Peele as well. Yeah. He's just taking all these ideas that he learned about and barfing them out. Yeah, okay. But, so plot-wise, it's super messy. But I, I think with the not knowing and purpose, I think because he's a fucking brilliant filmmaker, we're not supposed to know. I think he's sticking, like he's jabbing us in the stomach for every f- so, quote unquote cinema fan who needs to know an explanation to every goddamn thing they see on screen for the last 20 years there was a shift it feels like how people watch movies now they're like they better explain where those fucking dragons came from i don't yeah, see I, dragons fly around so the real ho- the real horror of the movie is not like there's we have doubles or that somebody with scissors trying to kill us the real horror of the movie is being like a white male podcaster and not being able to put <laughs> it all together oh my god what am i gonna do but okay so I could see all of that, like, working if there weren't two scenes where the bad guy explicitly says what is supposed to have happened. Because then it feels like it's drawing our attention to those explanations. Like, if there's no explanation, like you said from Vertigo, Ryan, that's that's very interesting itself. Because it's like, well, who knows? We'll never really know. But to hear two different kind of contradictory stories, it feels like that must be the point. The point must be... Don't ask where all these doubles came from. That's stupid. The, mm-hmm. In this story, everybody has a double who's trying to kill them. Please don't ask more questions than that. That's a waste of everybody's time. Yeah, it feels like very directly in the way like the little girl. There's too many little girls. The daughter, Adelaide's daughter. who Zora. Runs, Zora. Zora uh, says, you guys know there's Florida in the water so the government can control us. And her parents are like, that's dumb. People think, I think it's the movie saying, like, people are going to believe dumb shit. Nobody knows for sure. Let's just move on. Like... That is how I was viewing it when I viewed it the second time. That his point must have been stop looking for a point to this because the point is really like watching these characters go through this, not what the explanation is. But watching it the second time, that doesn't feel like it actually holds up. It still feels like the movie's going out of its way to explain exactly how these clones came to be and why they're all on the surface attacking people. It really doesn't feel like he's doing a bit. It feels like he is trying to make a point with all this. I would say that uh, the second time watching it, so I saw it once in theaters and then once very recently, the second time watching it, and I was sort of unclear 
when I saw it in theaters. Exactly. I knew I liked it. Yeah. I was just about figuring out why. This next time, uh, it became even more clear that the highs are super high and the lows are super low. Yeah. Like the ceilings and the floors like ma- moved farther apart than the first time I saw it. And, the, and that theater was probably actually bigger than your house. It was, So yes. that's like the opposite Believe of it what or not, happened. I know it sounds like I have a really big house, but yeah. it's not theater big. <laughs> um, but uh, the expositions, the two scenes, are a perfect example of this. Because the first one is uh, Red and Adelaide get together around a coffee table in the f- like towards the beginning. And Red tells a story. Yeah. And then at the end... Red is in the underground, and Adelaide comes in, and Red tells another story. I thought the first story was very interesting, um, a little once upon a timey, and uh-huh. a little more vague. And then the second one feels like, oh my God, what if people don't understand what's going on? I need to yeah. guide them a little bit more. I'm getting a little nervous about how vague everything is. And then that is sort of jammed in. That's where the Goonies line comes in, right. and that's where more science comes in. And science right. is not the thing that we need right now. Yeah, not, not in this kind of movie. And I wonder. So it's either probably what's real is Peel got nervous and thought he should explain more, or uh, giving him benefit of the doubt that I don't know if the movie backs up is a. Uh, the more you repeat your own story to yourself without looking at other facts, the more you uh-huh. believe it and the dumber it actually gets. I mean, that floor, I think, is important because the the reason that our main family could be seen uh, as the villains mm-hmm. is because Zora is smarter than them. Yeah. And, like, I know she sounds like a conspiracy theorist, but, like, fluoride was put in the water. And it's not that it, it's a bad thing. It's that these adults, her family, refuse to listen or learn more or consider anyone else. Yeah. And so, they like... It's a classic family, and it's great actors and performances, and we're rooting for them. But sort of, if they were less like the people that they hate and more like uh, understanding people, then they wouldn't have got us in the first place. Yeah, well, they don't They don't come out be- seeming like very good people, right? And not just because they managed to fight off and kill their doppelgangers. I was struck by the fact that uh, when Zora is like running away from her doppelganger, uh, that guy comes out and is like, hey, doppelganger, get off that car. And Zora just turns around yeah. and runs away, which is like, that's a very human thing. You would definitely do that, but it's not heroic in the least. Right, but I don't I think there's a difference between being not heroic and being a bad person. For I a 13-year-old girl to not try to save a guy, I, I'm, at no point I'm like, Psh, for shame. Well, okay, but see, imagine you're making it as an artistic decision, though, mm-hmm. and you want to show something. Everything made, was done on purpose. He made that right. choice. He made the choice of having her not scream, not yell, not mm-hmm. say watch out, which, again, you don't blame a 13-year-old girl, sure, but you would see that in every other movie. Every other movie, that girl would try to save that guy. Or at least all she has to do is be like, run, and run the other way. Or she's crazy, or she's got scissors. But she kind of... Or just explain the tunnels. And then he'll get it. it, (laughs) Nobody cares about the end of the world. But she really, she chooses not to do that. And I think we're left with that being an artistic choice more than the choice that a character made, even. Like, I think he wants us to see that these people, they're very nice to each other, and they're good to each other. But they are not like... They're not heroes. Speaking of artistic, one of them is actually a bad guy. Spoiler. Speaking of artistic choices, uh, Heidecker and Moss are put into this movie. They, we don't need them necessarily. They don't move the plot. It's a very specific reason they're put in, and it's because they are so much less likable than our main family. We like our main family more because of them, but definitely in the case of the dad, maybe less so Adelaide. They don't hate them. They actually wish they were them. Yeah. This is not a thing of like I see how you're disgusting. It's more like I would be more disgusting to other people if I could be more like you. Yeah. Yeah, the dad definitely sees himself in – it's those – that 
I'm very blessed to have people like you in my life, the two of you, and so I don't hate my friends while wanting to hang out with them all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, but he well, he feels like he hangs out with Tim Heidecker just so he can try to one-up him while Tim Heidecker also is just trying to one-up him. <laughs> and classic, that is awful. Classic dad relationship. For every step we get closer to the class above us, we get further away from the class below us, and we get less empathetic. We start thinking of them more We're as... We're just looking up, not looking down. Right. We think of them more as zombies right. or monsters and less of human beings. Yeah. Uh, we look at them, and you know what we think? You're just fucking ugly. Yeah. Just think you're just, you're just fucking ugly. And uh, that's only the case, I think, for one of them. I think that it's an attractive family. They're all cute. Uh, Winston Duke is a very handsome man. Yeah. His tethered is frightening and gross like he yeah. is so scary well i have to say uh it really does suck when, if you have to fight a family of evil people and you're the dad your guy is the evil dad the biggest fucking uh-huh. strongest meanest part of the whole family and you have to fight the evil version that's Pant- when you throw out to the family look our doppelgangers will know how we think and fight yes we gotta fight each other okay i get the kid that's what you do, Mike. You, you're not the kid, though. You go right for your wife's doppelganger. Ice her as quick as you can. Unfortunately, I guess it wouldn't work here because actually she's the toughest one. Yeah, that's the thing. And he knows that. And then him getting his leg busted not just proves it, but he's sort of stoked about it. Like, <laughs> well, I don't even have to try to be the toughest any look. I'm on I the wish IL, I everybody. A, yeah. <laughs> sorry, dude. I'm physically unable to perform in tonight's adventure. And they're like, uh, he's like, sorry, kids. I guess your mom's in charge. Yeah. No, we always knew that, bro. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Dad. Mom's in charge. We'll give that a shot. There's a point where she explicitly says it. She looks at him and goes, you don't get to make the decisions anymore. Yeah, yeah. We've had a version of this fight before. Yes, exactly. That wasn't like, that didn't feel like there was a scene deleted. That felt like there was a lifetime before the movie started. And Winston Duke, in all of his goofy, uh, I'm I'm an enjoyable dad with dad jokes, I bet he can be a prick and has been holding her down. Also, the first time you watch this movie, you get the feeling that she's getting creepier as the movie goes on. But that's because you don't know to, to notice how creepy she is in the beginning. Uh-huh. But the like normal Adelaide, she's scared. So it just seems like she's scared. Mm-hmm. But the intensity of her like gaze in the beginning of this movie, she's already like a very intense, spooky person. There's a thing, I, like there's almost a Cersei thing going on where like everyone knows. That she loves her kids more than anything, except for her kids. Yeah, like that's like she's very passionate about them, but she's it's more because she like she's in charge and she's the leader as opposed to no, I have so much affection for them. Also, you know? it seems based on that line of people, they're like the only family that made it. Mm-hmm. They're the or like you don't see. I mean, I'm sure some other people did okay or whatever. Uh, well, there's the helicopter pilots. Yeah, I guess end. they're still around. <laughs> they're probably out there with their doppelgangers hanging out in the old heli. <laughs> and those tethered helicopters that are sort of flying yeah, around, those are weird. suck movie. at it. Uh, is there something <laughs> supernatural going on, or is this movie presenting us both explanations, a la the Bible, starting with two origin stories, and it's like you get to choose which, which one you want. Is it supernatural? Like she's like a godlike figure? I think the movie goes out of its way to make Adelaide seem like some sort of god or angel figure. Or you would then have the second explanation, which is the sciencey one, and you can like choose whichever one makes more sense to you. Well, like why I think in general, Peel doesn't really want us to figure out the why is it all starts to break down. So, like the tethered, when we see the tethered uh, in Red's flashbacks, you have to follow what your above ground person is doing. Yeah, eventually you just don't anymore, and they don't say why. And so it's like we need it, and then Adelaide is like, "There's more coincidence happening." And isn't that bad? But the only time in the movie is the 
Frisbee lands on that circle. Yeah. There's actually not that many coincidences. Well, there's a lot of 11-11s. Jeremiah, 11-11, and then 11-11. He's popping back. I have to say, um, there is a lot of, like, crazy coincidences when you watch it a second time. Especially with the number 11 and how it's presented visually, you end up seeing not just 11-11, but, like, two pairs of two over and over and over again. I think black flag shirts. Yeah, and for instance. It's possible that when Peel got the way bigger budget and the way longer shooting time, because he made Get Out, that he sort of traded uh, that for, like, once you get that much money, you have to trust your audience less. Like, the, yeah. the suits will make sure that you trust your audience less and make everything more obvious, because the way that his camera lingers on things, and this is not just the second, this is the first time you notice that, like, if there is something that he sort of wants you to see, even not explain, but just see and talk about later, he will focus on it for a really long time. That Frisbee landing, um, the truck, the toy truck that stops the closet, yeah. I really wish they didn't get 13 seconds of screen time. How about the spiders? There's like several different th- spider things because as she's walking through, as a little girl walking through like the Native American Vision Quest Funhouse, which is what it is when she's just a kid, there's like this story about Spider Woman going to into the world to punish the world. And then it's right when it says like Spider Woman, it the recording shuts off. And then throughout the rest of the movie, you see Adelaide like looking at a spider. And then when Red is holding her head down on the coffee table, um, there's like a you can see that this like statue of a tarantula, and Adelaide's hair falls in such a way where it kind of looks like a tarantula or like the tarantula's legs or something like that. I didn't notice that, Greg. Give yourself a point. You know what? That's that's awesome. Red. He's on fire. But yeah, that's uh, that's I think for if you like, I think. Jordan Peele seeded this movie with as many explanations as you could possibly want. Uh, There's as many symbols and signs here. There's as many names pregnant with meaning. And I, what I ultimately don't quite know how to fall on is I think he wants it to maybe sometimes not add up to anything. And it's supposed to be like you assigned meaning where you see it. So it's science, it's native American tradition. It's like all this other stuff that it's drawing from. And I wonder if his lack of coming in as the author and definitively saying this is what this is is a failure on his part or is his ultimate comment i honestly i wish that i had heard him say less uh-huh. um because i've heard him debunk a couple of theories uh the most famous one being jason is pluto and pluto is jason uh-huh. that the boys switch places he came out and said like no good like thoughtful reddit but no uh-huh. and then the other one is like sort of defining like this is this is not about race, and it's about like sort of class in this specific way. Yeah, um, that's a lot. Because then you feel like that intention locks in your idea of what the meaning of the movie. Yeah, is. and then I feel dumb instead of like sort of like super thoughtful about them. Not, I, I thought a lot about the movie, but uh, it channels your thinking. And I sort of recommend not watching it twice. You'll want to. Yeah. <laughs> but like you, you, you will not get that like feeling of confusion after uh, watching it twice that you got after that first time. And maybe there's something magical in that yeah, confusion. Right. Well, yeah, what's cool about not right. knowing for sure and having so many explanations and ignoring the director, because there, there could be authorial intent, but like we don't have to, we were allowed to have our own relationship with the art or whatever, is... <laughs> Says you. Uh, the, what the movie is saying, if you're not looking at a very specific it's about classes, we all have some sort of evil in us, and it's going to come to bite you in your ass somehow. Yeah. And without an explanation, that's very real and very terrifying. Yeah, definitely. And then and then you give a little back when you explain it a little bit, don't you? Give a little 
you give a little bit of that terror back when you right. explain it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think also looking at them as the actual, like, what if everything bad that we did just by existing in this society wasn't spread out evenly in a wave of pain that we never see, but was invested in just one person who also happened to look like us, and they really were the whipping boy for our entire life, and then one day we saw them. What would it be like to confront that? Because when uh, Adelaide sees Pluto die, there's a part of her that's like, oh, wait, no, and... Dude, there's a part where the best line in the whole fucking movie is on that coffee table where... Pluto yells out. Oh, that's yours. And she says, that's yours. Holy shit. I get chills just thinking about that. That's the most artful thing I think the entire movie did. But I think that Red loves Jason more than anybody else, and Adelaide loves Pluto more than anybody that's outside of her family. Yeah. And that's because I can't shake the fact that they look identical. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, once, like, once we start realizing that these villains, these others, these people that we've othered and said aren't part of our world or bubble, uh, once we have, see that they're like, they are sort of us, look like uh not <laughs> shut, everybody shut up uh then like now all of a sudden we have empathy and that's the worst thing we can have now we have to feel more stuff yeah i, I kind of watch it the second time i had all these new opinions but the biggest one is uh shit like we're conservatives are supposed to be the villains and yeah sort of saying that liberals can't be the villain i don't want that that's not well, what we're supposed to do that that's i right. think has to be why he has a howard shirt on like he, they are shown to be a liberal progressive family oh yeah like, for I, sure I but it, and it's showing like that doesn't mean you're good fuck you you're yeah. still like there's no ethical consumption under capitalism if and you're a conservative it does mean you're right. bad but just being a liberal doesn't mean you're good also right. if if you are i think that this movie does a good job of interrogating liberalism is like you will let yourself be separated you will let yourself be dragged out by the foot like that scene where bad dad is is dragging out good dad and he's kind of just like just like, hey, stop. Stop doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't really react right. to what's happening to them because they're so soft. Yeah. Because and just like, well, this is happening now, I guess. I wish it wasn't, but because this is the somebody, way of the world. Somebody else in the world commits their sins for them. Yeah. That's why. Like, we are so weakened because we don't have to do our own sinning. And so we do a lot of it through intermediaries, and we never have to face them, ever. That, you saying, Greg. that shouldn't be. <laughs> Greg. You saying that shouldn't be the case, but then doing nothing about it is way less powerful than not giving a shit what should be the case yeah. and just doing stuff. Dude, this all tracks back to, uh, no, it's not clear, A Few Good Men, which has the greatest line in cinema history. Like, you want us on that wall, you need us on that wall, and then you deign to tell us how to hold it. Mm. Like, which is like, totally slaughtering that line. But, like, we, we want... I think you were better than Jack. <laughs> we want people to do these things on our behalf, and then occasionally we want to be like, mm, actually, I'm not sure <laughs> that you should do it that way. Well, guys... Taste bud. We're all getting points for that segment because I'm pretty proud of our work on that. When we come back, though, it's time to just have a little fun and to do it with only our Patreon listeners because what's more fun than excluding othering our, yeah, the just, underground people? By oh, just, no. Should this by, whole show be free? I'm by not just, okay. just doing something for people who have the money to afford it. <laughs> all right. Thanks for supporting the show, everybody. Hey, Daddy, I want to go on some goose. Here we go again. All right, sweetheart. All right. One sort of undisputed thing around the Pop Filter Studios is that this segment is the best mix of good sound before it and fun segment 
after the sound of any segment, I think. Well, maybe other segments can get their fucking shit together and put more Macklemore on their sound. Yeah, dude, is it that hard to get more Macklemore? The people, I think, have spoken on this. It's not Macklemore-less. It's Macklemore. That's very good, Ryan. Thank you. Ryan. And that is worth one Macklemore point. I got one point in my bucket. <laughs> you know what? Ryan. No. Now, now that's a lie. Now you got two points in your pocket. Well, Ryan decided that what we should definitely do is um, risk going into this movie and running through some of the scenes and trying to pick up some of the items, some of maybe the experiences that are on, you know, that are available that you can go through. Well, we have the ultimate armor, the ultimate weapon, a shopping cart. Yeah. That will protect us from everything. Exactly. And so we just sneak around while all the killings happen, and we pick up anything that we see that we get interested in. Mike, why don't you go first? What's something that you want to purchase from this movie? Uh, the house that Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker have. Come on, yes. man. Yes. Fucking dope. And yes. That many tiers of levels, so everybody, like, you can have family time, or you can go to your separate rooms like happy families should. Uh-huh. Uh, it's amazing. I love it. I'm into it. It's, it's important to note, though, that at the Heidecker house, you, every time you walk into a room, you have to say, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I already do. Uh, it's a beautiful house. And I think what's important is to remember that this movie is really about how stuff is so wonderful. Yeah. Uh, get and that, that stuff. Yeah. You want to get that stuff. And that's really where happiness is going to come from, is from this stuff. Ryan, what do you want? You can't have the house anymore. I know that Mike That's took off the, house, the market. And I know that I'm going after him, but just before he picks it, I'm going to run in with my shopping cart, grab something from the house. Okay, real quick. And then leave, and then he can have the rest of the house. And what I'm getting is the Alexa that Ophelia. knows Ophelia that oh, knows Ophelia. the exact song to play based on what is going on <laughs> uh-huh. in the scene. I don't want the police called. I want Fuck the Police to play because <laughs> that's what the scene needs right now. I want the perfect Ophelia soundtrack. Well, that sounds very good. Um, that's another example of a time where the movie was like, this is going to be less scary here for a little bit, but uh-huh. because this is a fun thing to do. So <laughs> just bear with us here while we have a good time at the movies. And Elizabeth Moss is there trying to figure out what she hates more, getting murdered or rap. <laughs> Gangster rap. <laughs> this is the worst. Uh, well, there are a lot of sartorial choices in this movie that I just blow you away, just really make you think. But I remember there was one thing that instantly made me think, the real question is, what are those? What are those? Bad guys who only wear sandals? I want some bad guy <laughs> sandals. Have you guys in the history of movies ever seen a bad guy, let alone every single bad guy, wearing sandals? Yes, I have, Greg. If you wear sandals, you're, you're a bad guy. You're necessarily a villain, a villain right? to society. So let me get some of those bad guy sandals. I would never in a million years give the bad guy sandals. Now, that is that's directly because when she's a little girl, she disappears with sandals. Right. And they try to make her life into basically a, a religion. And so everyone wears sandals because she was wearing sandals. But And Greg, you don't wear them because each of your toenails are supposed to be on a different toe? Like yes. they all came out differently? Yeah. I don't know which one it is, but I can just feel that that's the case. <laughs> they each have a different toe that they're destined to be on. All right, that's round number one. We had the house... The, what do you have, Ryan? Ophelia soundtrack. Ophelia soundtrack. And then those great sandals. And I'm going to say house. That's definitely round one goes to You guys are such consumerists. I am. Honestly, you guys, I'm such a bitch for capitalism. (laughs) Capitalism tops me all day long. And I'm like, yes, daddy, all night. Capitalism is your zaddy? Yeah, dude, I'm sorry. That's just very clear. I just have to be like honest about that with myself. Like, that's just how I'm being. That's how I'm acting. That's how I've organized my life. Um, 
Let's see. Should we go reverse order now? So I went last. I'm going to go first this time. Serpentine. And I got to say, I'm also going to slip in to the house riot, and I'm going to grab something. Motherfucker. Yeah, it's going to be a little empty by the time you get in there. Uh, remember that Tim Heidecker chair that uh-huh. is like so comfortable that he doesn't want to go see if he needs to protect his family? I think my family is about to get gay yeah. raped. I don't care. I got this chair. He calls it. He's like, I'm in my cozy spot. <laughs> <laughs> and it really looks like a very comfortable chair. Uh, I do a lot of sitting, and so it's important that I have a comfortable chair. So I'm just going to grab Tim Heidecker's cozy spot. Now, Greg, this is your 18th shopping spree in a row that you've taken a chair. Yeah. A really nice chair. You gotta, <laughs> dude, you need a good chair. I think that's like a major part of being happy as a person. You need a good chair. Ryan, you are up next. What would you like to buy? So I can't get that house. Nope. And I don't want uh, the other house. So what I'm going to do is I already have Ophelia making everything in my life more dramatic. Uh huh. What is the ultimate in drama? Where does everything go down? Uh, my backyard is now the House of Mirrors. Fiction cannot give up on the House of Mirrors. No. As of this recording, just a couple of weeks ago, Watchmen did it. Yeah. Like, we can't. And I, I want to go in there and I want crazy things to happen to me. Yeah. I want the House of Mirrors. I have to say. It's always just boring and you sort of hurt your nose. I... I have run out of sympathy for people who go into houses of mirrors, um, attics, or cellars. If you go into any of those places and a haunting, spooky thing happens... You asked for that. No, duh. Why would you go into a house of mirrors? Have you seen anything ever? It's always possessed. Okay, perhaps. (laughs) Perhaps. But still, dude, if you have to go up in your attic, you know what? Just don't. Just don't. <laughs> just don't. That's why you just throw stuff yeah. you know you don't want to leave, but you feel bad. Yeah, exactly. Just there. put it up there. Or stand on the floor below it, get a lasso, throw it up there, and see if you bring down what you want. And if you don't, then it's up there forever. <laughs> then you got to use whatever you pulled down. <laughs> or put your dead your dead mother's body up there. Right. Well, you know what? You have to stop kissing it at <laughs> next some to point. The, next to the Christmas decorations. <laughs> All right, Mike, it is to you. What thing would you like from this movie? I would love Red has, in, in the big climax of Adelaide v. Red, Red has this preternatural ability to dance out of every situation with yes. as few movements as yes. possible. And it's it's already cool to be a good fighter, but to do it and show no effort yeah. is fucking boss. And I want that ability. Okay, we do have to talk about the ending fight of this movie because like you're you're right at the end of the movie, you know everything that's that's gone on in it. There's like nothing scary that's gonna happen left, and now it's just a fight between these two women. And it is one of the coolest fight scenes of, like, any movie I can remember. Red goes through several different phases, including I'm going to do the least possible to move away from you while you're swinging to try to kill me. And then all of a sudden starts bringing in all these judo throws. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he, she just beats the shit out of her. But then she gets too cocky because she's the bad guy and gets taken out. But this is an awesome ending fight scene. The problem, though, is that even though they're twins, they don't punch each other in the fist. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm always looking for. And then for. shockwaves come out for just no explained reason. Few- Both faces at the same time. <laughs> just get that cheek ripple. Fewest movements would change my life because, like, just getting out of the car, like, seatbelt and then opening the door and moving on, like, that should be two movements. And I take 37. <laughs> I hit my head on four different things. I hurt my pinky every time. <laughs> I wish I could just, like, gracefully do things. You get out of the car the way Edgar Wright shoots people getting into cars. Yes. <laughs> so many little fucking So, Ryan, what are each of our second round picks? So, Mike took the talent of fewest movements. Cool. Uh, I took a house of mirrors, and you took your cozy spot chair. <laughs> cozy spot chair? Come on, man. <laughs> Gotta give it up for the cozy spot chair. I'm in my cozy spot. <laughs> go, go see if our family's in mortal peril. I'm in my cozy spot. Dude. That's me. You have this planned out. That's me for days, man. <laughs> that is just my wife all the time is like, uh, should we look into this thing that's clearly a problem? And I'm like, nope. We should just sit here and be cozy. I would love to, but 
spot. Yeah, so oh, I'm, but I'm not doing anything right now. All right, Mike, take us into the last round with your next and last pick. Uh, I know the movie uses it as like a joke and to show how Elizabeth Moss is a bad person, but I really want to shop the concept of vodka o'clock. <laughs> if, if that was just real and everybody was fine with it, I would feel less judged in my life, and I just want it to be a real thing, so I want vodka o'clock. And I assume that's like 10 a.m.? Mike is, uh, it's less shopping cart going on a spree, but like becoming a god and changing how people move and how time works. I swear, dude, I think there's a very interesting reading of this film where Adelaide is like a god. So I think that being a god should be an experience on, on sale here. All right, Ryan, what next thing do you have? I was thinking about me and how I live my life and my relationship to you guys. And I think I need a wall of rabbits just in cages because of how, like, I basically, um, pit you two together or against each other all the time. I'm going to let those rabbits come out and then you guys, all I do is eat cake and get drunk uh-huh. and then sit there and wait for you guys to like rub my leg and maybe finger me a little maybe bit. Maybe just finger you just a little bit. And I think that that wall of rabbits that I can let loose is going to be the first step of that new path. What, okay, honestly, what has the creepier rabbits? Us or the favorite? Uh, I think it's the favorite. It is the favorite, right? Yeah. That's bad That's bad luck for us. Yeah. <laughs> they just get edged out. Like, you don't see... Bunny-related humor. What's the last one? Donnie Darko? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Who framed Donnie Darko? Who framed Donnie Darko? All right, uh, Ryan, that was just your pick, right? I was just listening to you talk about your Uh thing. Yeah. Uh, Very good. I was paying total attention. Uh, For me, I... These kids are not respectful. Um, They don't uh, give their dad enough support. I was always the... The role I had in my family was enthusiastically support whatever anybody else does, and I still do that every day with everyone around me. Uh-huh. Uh, just get really excited about everything. So if my dad had bought a boat called the Crawdaddy, I'd have been like, that's so cool, Dad. Crawdaddy, that's a great name. I can't wait to get out there on the lake, Dad. Um, I can't believe these kids don't care about Crawdaddy. It saved their fucking lives, so I hope they learn to care about it, because that shit would have gone really south if that guy didn't get killed by the Crawdaddy. It's not so much the boat as the dad's... Like earnest enthusiasm that he they hate, you know. Yeah, but that's not what you do. You say, "Daddy, I love you, and I'm perfect." Daddy, kiss me <laughs> on my head, Daddy. Say I'm good. Look upon me. I love the boat, Papa. <laughs> oh, Papa, take me out on the waves. <laughs> I want to bounce among the mist. <laughs> All right, Papa. Um, All right, that's too much kissing, Papa. Okay, Papa, <laughs> we're far out, Papa, far out stop. from land now, Papa. Um, These Ryan, aren't international water. <laughs> Ryan, before we continue this bit, read us the results of the last round. And then we'll get back to the bit. Though, and then right? we'll get right back to the Papa Back to daddy kiss, daddy kissing. Uh, we have vodka o'clock, okay. wall of rabbits, and the crawdaddy. Well, I got to say, wall of rabbits. All right. Right, man, wall right. of rabbits. When, that's the end of our shopping spree, you guys. Oh. Ryan, what were the winning things that people got? So when Mike took the Heidecker house... Uh, when Greg, you took the cozy spot chair from the Heidecker uh, house, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna move in with you too. And a- you're, and then one of uh one of those walls is gonna be a wall of rabbits. <laughs> Imagine a world in which we don't all live in the same house. That's insane. <laughs> How would that even work? When we come back, we're gonna get to our very last question. When the movie came out, there was much ado about the performance of Lupita Nyong'o. Now that the dust has settled and we've seen it again, is she killing it or is it a little bit over the top? What do you guys think? I think, I like, I think she's killing it. I, th- I think the, I think in such a lesser actor's hand, we would know Adelaide is bad way earlier on instead of just being a slightly frazzled mom who 
is trying to forget uh-huh. like a horrible experience. And then when she acts off of herself, like they do have different personalities, but the way they lean towards each other with how they are like razor sharp in defending things is, is so fucking well done. I also love, and like, I would say that the most iconic thing about the movie going into the future will not be like red jumpsuits or scissors, or I think it'll be her voice, uh, red's voice. And uh, I think that a lot of lesser actresses would just know what evil voice sounds like, uh-huh. like action hero voice, and just stick there. And what she does take that and then goes so much more, so much deeper, uh-huh. so much scarier, so much like more realistic with what she's been through. Yeah. It sounds like she has right. a neck that got fucking. Because uh-huh. that's what it's supposed to be, right? That she, her, the, her doppelganger rang her neck so hardcore. But the whole, the whole her being like uh, a real human around non-humans makes the voice make more sense than the choking mm-hmm. part. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. She's so fucked up that she sort of, she remembers English, which is different than how right. to talk. Yeah. You know? um, I kept going back and forth on the voice. And this is a problem I had with the movie in general. And it's not a major one, but it did take me out of it. I couldn't help but notice how much everybody seemed to really like being the evil version of themselves. So I mean her, and I also mean everybody else. And she wasn't the worst offender. But everybody seemed to really think it was fun Uh. to be the bad version of themselves. And that made the movie less scary. And it also... I mean, they're having a good night. This is their whole plan. This is what they've wanted. So it makes sense on that one level. But it's just you can see them all being like, we're really living it up. See, I think that they look like they're having a good night. But those nerves those like showtime <laughs> oh my god this is it guys nerves they have to be crazy yeah there's so many butterflies in these tum tums and, and, uh, and like tim heidecker his that guy is having the fucking best night evil him for yeah sure. yeah and Z- evil zora is also but in like a very like bullying mischievous i like one because i'm scaring you way but i do think yeah. like red and elizabeth moss red is very like satisfied but not happy and Elizabeth Moss, yeah. you can see like the breakdown of the tethered in the getting ready for the night scene. I really liked Elizabeth Moss. I thought she was the she besides uh, Red. I thought she was the best doppelganger. The thing though is that there's no risk casting Lupita Nyong'o and Elizabeth Moss mm-hmm. in your movie. You know, yeah, like, there's nobody in that age group that's better than those two. Yeah, casting Heidecker, like he and I don't always see eye to eye yeah. with comedy, um, and. There you guys we, have that thing. You guys got a real, a real yeah. rivalry guy. <laughs> I know, and he he feels the same about yeah, me. You know, he, uh, he gives as good as he can take. But uh, the way that he pushed it towards the edge and didn't go full on like uh, this is broad comedy or this is anti comedy. Yeah, I, like I can't believe how risky and rewarding that casting was. Yeah, definitely. That really Ryan. that really did work out. So you loved Red's voice. I. There were times I just felt like this is too ridiculous. Ridiculous. The problem is too is that that's how you sound to us. Mm. So you're probably. (laughs) Do I? We're podcasters. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I love the way she moved. Mm. Yeah. Uh, That was so cool and so legitimately creepy. And I really, really, really loved her as Adelaide. With the exception of Jason, or I'm sorry, Pluto, the rest of the family all moves in a way that was normal, but not like it was all just like one. Notch towards janky. Like yeah. They all, 
It's like Drake dancing is how they all walked around. Uh-huh. But it was Jason is an animal, right? Basically, or Pluto is an animal, basically. But the other like three, a dog, like a cartoon dog, like a cartoon dog. Who's furious that the Who? other dog can talk and walk and wear clothes? Yeah, why well, can Goofy talk? But I can't. I'm not even saying this right now. Um, but yeah, the way that they move is so like they're always like head tilty. Yeah. It's like they just sort of learned what humans are like. A lot like Sugar Water from the hit film <laughs> Men in Black. They, as the movie went on, they began to seem more and more like zombies. Mm-hmm. That like. They they are like zombie versions of us that just are there to like feel pain or experience displeasure. And that's part of like Peel's pop culture like uh little black book of references. Like the Abraham, the dad is supposed to be old school Romero zombies, the daughter's supposed to be like new school sprinty zombie. Like it is ah. leaning towards like specific kinds of monsters. And then what's Pluto? Just weird little Weird little Doctor Moreau guys. An- animal man. <laughs> <laughs> Pluto's Pluto. And uh, the one one thing I really like about Red is she's she's a drama bitch. Uh-huh. Like uh, I really appreciate this about her because at first it made the movie feel a little hammy, but then I realized that hamminess comes from her. She started a whole religion. She wants her big idea is she wants to do this really epic performance art piece, mm-hmm. which is going to change the world and show them what her painful experiences are really like. She's such a drama kid. If she wasn't born an artist, if she wasn't born a dancer who was also inundated with pop culture mm-hmm. up until the time she goes through the underground, she would have come up with a plan that was like militaristic uh-huh. and effective. Yeah. But instead, drama she does this. Bitch. And I- well, <laughs> notice every other doppelganger wins because they walk up to their victims and stab them. Right. That's what like we see the high decker victims do, or doppelgangers do. But the problem is Adelaide and, or Red and then her family, they all decided they were going to like really whoop it up and make it <laughs> into an artistic thing and like get all they could possibly out of it. And because of that, they each fucking got got. I think I I, I don't think you can pass it up even if you didn't grow up as an artist if you are just heralded as like a second coming like Red is in the uh-huh. underground. You're going to go a little crazy in different ways and you're going to become more flamboyant. Like you're going to think that you really are that God that you've been talking about before. Yeah, I mean, and that's why everything about the tethered becomes whatever she happened to have on her person at the time. At that time, Including yeah. sandals. The real question is what are those? Um, and that's the whole reason she does the Hands Across America thing. But, you know, what's interesting about that image of Hands Across America is that it was a monumental failure, mm-hmm. but it's depicted in the movie as perhaps uh, successful, although we know it's going to at least fall for short. But I think that talks one of the main ideas in the movie, which is, like, you can get things done with hate that you can't get done with love. And or you can get uh, you can get things done with force. Like, yeah. we were all given the option... Do you want to hold hands with everybody or not? And you most can, people uh, say no. no. Do you do you want to decide to? No, I'm good. But if you if you take control of them, which is why the tethered were created in the first place, is to take control of us. Yeah. If you take control of the tethered, you can make them do that hands right. across America thing, the thing that of course would never work. And I don't want there to ever be a sequel to this movie. Of course, there should not be. Um, and any sequel would probably just ruin it, unless they did it like Watchmen TV show style, where it's like 35 years later. But if there was, I bet you anything, all those doppelgangers just stand there until they die. <laughs> yeah, Don't you think like they're just going to stand there until they fall to the ground and rot? It's an interesting thing the movie doesn't interrogate is Red's plan is furious that what happens, that the people below are treated so ill. But she is also just controlling the tethered the way they've been controlled their whole life. N- none of the tethered have a choice like, I guess I'll do this or no. I like sp- spending time with the rabbits or whatever. Ryan, do you think we are in 2019 going to cover the movie Parasite? Because wouldn't Parasite pair with this just like almost too well? I think that 
there's I think that us was bookended by a couple of bummers. One it, uh, before it was the favorite, which really did rabbits way better. Uh-huh. And then I think that it's really the second time for me watching this isn't just like seeing the holes a little more glaring, but the fact that I have seen Parasite. And yeah. I'm not sure what us does better than Parasite. Yeah. Certainly not someone who just keeps yelling, respect! <laughs> <laughs> Although there could have been someone in this movie that did that. I Like, based on, uh, you know, the three of us, knowing how 2019 worked and then looking at the three of us, I would be shocked if Parasite did not make the Elite Eight for the yeah. 2019 bracket. Uh, I think it has a chance to go to take the whole thing down. To go all the way. And I think it is sort of spanking us. Like, it's hard to respect us as much as we would have if it came out in any different year. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Speed round. Uh-oh, speed round. That means the questions get fast and the answers are a blast. You guys, you want to get crazy? Because we Let's get, get crazy. crazy. <laughs> I, you know what? Good for him. He really makes the effort. He puffs himself up. He, you know, he yells a lot. Um, but that's that's a non-starter, my friend. That he, doesn't work like, at all. That's his black voice, right? Like, yeah, that's that's, that's what... what's so fucking funny of hanging out with him so long before that, and then seeing that it's like, oh, you were put it, doing an act. Honestly, right now. that's one of the only even sideways references to race in the entire mm. movie is that we could call that voice like that. Um, and there's like one other one. Oh, the OJ joke. Besides that, this movie is effectively 0% about race. I think there's a lot of time and focus put, like Peel puts on the fact that this is not a, what you would consider a black family or a white family. Like, I think they've, he's really trying to make you not think about that. There's a lot of time spent in doing that. They're Americans, right? They're Americans, yes. Uh, okay, now that we brought that up, is that line so good or is that line too good? I think at that point, we're looking for any clue to anything. Uh-huh. And so. Uh, if she drops any bomb, I think we're going to like cream a little bit, and I think that is effective. And yeah. also, we sort of need some help at that <laughs> point. You know, we sort of yeah. need to some help figuring shit out. <laughs> Ryan, uh, this probably goes without saying, but this movie is not as much fun if you read the Wikipedia first. <laughs> it just isn't because you you are in no way being confused by what's going on right there. The only like, one, oh, no, these are doppelgangers from the government. The only one that's more fun is Avatar. Like, I don't need to see all those tall blue people. I want to read about them. What's great about that line, even though it could feel ham-fisted, is it one of the things is that you always think you're right if you're from America. Other countries don't have <laughs> aren't as up their butt as we are. We truly be like, well, we're right. Why? We're, we're why America. even ask? What do you, you guys mean? Why we're you right? Fucking heard of America, right? Land of the free. We're we're so up our own butt that we erase and ignore real history and go, no, no, that didn't happen because <laughs> we're Americans. Americans would do that part of it. I want to see like the other countries' remakes of this movie and like what would happen. Like if there's a Pakistani version and they're like we're Pakistani and the family's like, all right, <laughs> like I don't, Us too? I don't... But, sure, yeah. That we hasn't even here. been a place for all that long, but that's cool. <laughs> I guess that's what we are. If you want to draw a circle around us and call us something, why not? Uh, can you guys win against your tethered? Uh, no. I mean. Because, uh, like, the soft thing, you know? Like, yeah. I'm going to keep thinking that, like, integrity is going to save me, but instead the bas- baseball bat to my head is going to not save me. <laughs> All you have is language, and that's the one thing they don't operate on. Mm-hmm. You can't reason with them because they literally don't understand words. I have I... Met, I've seen my tethered. It's Gary Busey, or Jake Busey, <laughs> rather. And so... And uh, what do you think about Jake Busey, Ryan? <laughs> I think he's a handsome gentleman. <laughs> Ryan. And I apologize uh, for everything I've said. 
I, I drowned a kid who looked like me in a gutter years ago. Uh, uh-huh. So if I didn't get the job done and he comes back, I'm still pretty sure I could win. And you know what? I got my money on you. I would definitely lose to myself. Uh, if there's a doppelganger version of me, I'm such a big guy, but I'm not very strong. Anyone else that's as big as I am is generally twice as strong <laughs> as I am. And I think that he just would be from hardness. That's the thing I think about Winston Dukes, uh, non-tethered. He is big, but yeah. probably not strong. And Abraham, his mm-hmm. tethered, he's fucking strong. Well, yeah. if, you, if you think about it, he gets put on the sideline by just being hit one time in the leg by that guy swinging a bat, which is very realistic, but not what you generally see in movies. Yeah, not in movies. Usually yeah. it takes a few swipes with a car to get it done. <laughs> uh, where or how does the main family fit into Peel's view of America or humans? I think, I, like, going back to the other thing, I think that it's trying to be the most non-race related that he's ever done, you know? Yeah. They're, they're just, I think it's supposed to be an average-ass family. They, they, in every single way, it's supposed to show an average to to make it look like, oh, I'm them. And then you go, oh, no, I'm them. But I That's what I thought, too. I right. And I thought that for, for most of the movie, except when they got to the kill count part. And that's when I thought, you know, this movie, it's not supposed to be like, it's the point is that they're being glib while this is happening. The point is that they can just do this because honestly, they are the product of the real doppelganger. Mm-hmm. So they're they are the fake family, and I honestly think that they are maybe meant to be either portraying just probably still being like stands-ins for all of America, but they are kind of cold and indifferent to like how fucked up the situation is, which lets them get through it. But when they get through it, it's because they don't quite have the same amount of humanity that we would like, that their outward presentation would indicate they do. Right. Yes, I agree with all that. But I think the important thing is that uh, it's not, they're not black people trying to be more black or less black or more white or less white. I think that, I think that Peel probably got frustrated with the fact that if you're uh, not straight, you have to make a movie about gay people. If you're not white, you have to make a movie yeah. about that race. If you're not male, you have to make a movie about women. Like, And I think that they, they are sort of a construction in that, like, could I just not this one time? Yeah, and, you right. know, the daughter is named Zora, and Zora Neale Hurston, who wrote Their Eyes Are Watching God, famously was like, I don't want to tell art. I don't want to make art that's just about black people. I want to make art that's about people, and I don't let, I'm not going to let you put me in that box. You think she was named after her and not, like, a girl Zorro? <laughs> or the characters from uh, the Zelda games, the fish people. And I, I think just like if he went out of his way to make this movie scarier than Get Out, I think it's he told he talked about race and Get Out. He yeah, he's a smart guy. A little bit talk yeah. about a lot of things. You like, could just go see that movie if you want. I, it's already out. It's on the DVD. It got out. Uh, what is <laughs> creepier than a child smiling? Fucking nothing, dude. Nothing. nothing. A child smiling and looking slightly down towards the ground. Yep, that's oh, <laughs> the combo, the looking up through the eyebrows. And I think that there are uh, think pieces that could be based on every single member of the family, but uh-huh. the uh, the Zora tethered one, uh, you, you all, you're always telling girls to smile? Is this what you want? Uh-huh. Like, do you think girls should really smile more? I think that's wrapped up in Zora. What if I do these weird spidery hands around my face? <laughs> do you still want me to smile? What do you think the dancing represents? I've been, I've been thinking about this a fucking lot. Because while dancing, while dancing, mostly trying to. So that's how I get my thoughts out. (laughs) And because that's what shows the tethered red is the thing to worship. And I I think dancing was chosen because one, it looks cool as hell cinematically, but it's 
such a controlled freedom. It's it's one of them, like art is supposed to be about creative freedom, anything goes. But dancing has the fucking most rules, choreography, in yeah, artistic expression. And so it, right. it's it's this weird fine line between you can do whatever you want as long as if it's under these tenets of what we do, which is kind of what I think the whole movie is talking about. He read that somewhere. Right. That's, that's, that's too much no, for Mike to come. Damn. No, that's no a good way. answer, Ryan. I don't want you to even try to say <laughs> shit about that question. You know what? Right. Going to give Mike another point, and you just sit in the silent corner. Well. That is the end of the speed round. When we come back, we will tabulate the score, and I'll let you know who wins. I hope that it's Mike now. Uh, and we'll let you we'll, – we'll talk about how far we think this can go in our 2019 bracket. That song was ultimately – just such a genius choice, right? Like, Maybe the best choice in the entire movie. Yeah, like that is the definitive thing that this movie did was prove that that is a haunting melody. I, did, I don't think I realized the first time I saw it how like it becomes a motif, yes. slow or fast throughout the entire thing. There's also like three different types of soundtrack in this movie. And it's weird. Different scenes fit into like different moods that the movie is expressing. W- watching it over again, the thing I was blown away by the most is that opening scene is so beautiful in yeah. so many ways. That is just like, that's how you fucking film things. The symmetry in that scene of like, every shot is so balanced. Her parents never get like as close, they never get any closer to each other and they're always an equal distance from her. Right. Holy moly. And yeah, like sort of uh, get mad at each other for the amount of recognition of the daughter but never actually recognize they it. They never look at her. He had to top the, the key Stanfield opening scene from Get Out, which is all, like that's a, death warrant right yeah. you, you can never top what you're supposed to and he did like it's better than the get out opening scene and it's so as scary as it is and it's that's probably the movie at its scariest because you're like it hasn't even shown itself to you yet right. and this and he's controlling the sound in a way that proves to you i could like end you guys i just could i could scare you so much um and it's so affecting and then at the same time it's weirdly very beautiful the mm-hmm. color in that is just so rich and sumptuous well, that's a long way of my saying, Ryan, you lost. Mike, you what got 25 points and you won. Are you fucking kidding me? Congratulations to Mike. Oh, wait, you have an acceptance speech right now? No, I was going to say, I don't want to do what Ryan always does and like be a real dick about it. So, Ryan, I'm going to just stick out my hand real respectfully, shake my hand. Hell, I think I better... Nope. Oh, oh. too slow. Oh, Slicking my hair back, you motherfucker. Fuck Boom, you. shakalaka! He's on fire! You are on fire, Mike. First you won the show. He's about to be on fire. I'm going to light him on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Only if you slowly walk back into a different fire will I go into a fire. Everyone knows that's how the two of us are going to die, right? (laughs) Mike, Ryan and I are going to leave the studio for a little bit. Before we do, I just want to say, how do we think this movie compares to the other movies of 2019? I wonder if watching it, like we're doing prep right now for 2019, um, and I wonder if watching it in prep is now going to keep it out of the Elite Eight Yeah, it probably had a chance to make it. Am I, do- am I being too negative towards it? I don't think you're being too negative. I think this movie gives you a lot to talk about, and we enjoy talking about it. Mm-hmm. We did. We drilled right down to the bone of this movie, though. I mean, <laughs> we spent a lot of time going deep on this movie, and at no point did anybody say like that they were blown away by it. I but we, we were, mentioned how we're blown away by Parasite a we couple were, of times. Yeah, we, we were interested in the conversation, but nobody gushed about the movie. And I remember feeling when, when after it came out, that, that was like, I think Get Out surprised everybody because we had never seen Jordan Peele do that before. Yeah. And he expanded his scope, but he didn't, he did 
great shots again, used the same composer, did amazing music again, and told a cool story. But it, at this point, we're like, yeah, we know you can do that. So, <laughs> is what it, the fuck? So next it, time, Marvel movie for him, right? Oh, yes. dude, for sure. Is it basic to point out that the kid's name is Jason and he wore a mask and his mom turned out to be the bad guy? <laughs> No, I didn't know. <laughs> That's smart as hell. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we are going to leave, Mike. The studio is yours. And you know what? Just free associate is what I think you should do. <laughs> just Yeah, I mean, what? I don't know. I'm not, not, it's been cruelly pointed out. I've never been in this situation. So waka, 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 waka. And I was to tell audience members uh, that this is, it, it's, it means so much to me, but I can't do it alone. So I'm going to come up. Uh, you know, Greg is my best friend, but somebody who's been with me even closer, Greg never lets him out of the basement. It is his tethered, uh, Ronald. Hey, it's me, it's Ronald. I'm the only other tether that can talk. Uh, people don't bring it up that much, but I guess people around here don't talk that much. Hey, oh, it's Ronald. I'm the tethered. <laughs> How are you doing today, Ronald? You know what? Every day in Ronald's world is a great day. Greg is. What would you say? Greg is depressed as shit, and uh, so I feel good. What can I say? <laughs> Ronald. <laughs> What do, you, what do you think the biggest differences between you and Greg are? Uh, probably the fact that I knit and he does crochet. That is pretty. And I was going to say, what's the biggest similarity? The biggest similarity? Probably that we both love the fiber arts. <laughs> yeah, that is. I mean, not a lot of people do. You know so what? There's more a... that unites us than divides us. <laughs> I got to oh, say. Yeah? Who, who are you? Who's your favorite for the Democratic primary right now, Ronald? You know what? I am a Tulsi Gabbard guy. Uh, totally. Oh, you, you know what? Like what? There's Ronald, why don't you talk about some websites? There's so many of us that love Tulsi Gabbard. She's a, I think she's the only one who can do it. You know? Who are you going to vote for? Sleepy Joe? <laughs> yeah, you're going to vote for Sleepy Joe. No. Of course not. Ronald. I don't know if we should let Tethered vote. Ronald, Whoa! What are your favorite Whoa! websites? Okay, I just get a segue off of that. I don't think you should have the right to vote and talk about websites now. But for my money, if I were going to vote, I would vote for yourpopfilter.com. Boom. Hands down. President. <laughs> The president of the country? The of the whole the internet. Of the whole internet of the country. President. And Veep of the country? Veep would be me. Ronald. Hey, I'm Ronald. No, no what website? What, what do you mean? What oh, uh, you <laughs> com slash Amazon. Do all your shopping there. Why not? Do it. <laughs> any any other websites? Secretary of Treasury? So many websites. No, I think it's just the two. There's just two of things. All right. There's one of Greg, there's a Ronald. There's two websites. <laughs> you know, it's two countries. Yeah, I think you'll find them right. There's two things to do. You can crochet. You can knit. They're both fiber eyes, but there's just two of them. I forgot we don't let the tethered know about patreon.com slash filter. It's really for like the like, upper crust. Oh, right. Patreon, of course. Yeah. We ain't got nothing. We don't have nothing. No one gives us nothing. <laughs> all right, Ronald. Thank you All so right. Much. Have a good day. Ronald. Uh, take care. <laughs> to talk about all the shows you should be listening to is Ryan's tethered Blarvigan. What? What's up, Blarvgen? Is it right? Is it in here? Do I talk into here? It's right here. Talk, yeah. yeah, talk right into there, Blarvgen. I'm Blarvgen. How are you today? I'm still Blarvgen. You are so Blarvgen. Blarvgen, what would you say the the thing that separates you most from Ryan? I think that uh, on a scale of one to ten, we're both elevens as far as handsome goes. If you look, wow. <laughs> 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 uh, so you're the kind of tethered where some are complete opposites. Some are just shittier versions more openly. I got oh, sorry. It. Shittier options of what? Him? Yeah, sure. What's your favorite food, Barb? My favorite <laughs> food is, of course, he has this wonderful way of spitting his toenails out into the ocean. And I find them and eat them up. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. <laughs> You so you are you are the opposite of Ryan because he he would never even utter the word toenail. I love a good toenail. 
What, what's your favorite way to prepare toenails? Mmm, <laughs> saute. <laughs> do you use like an olive oil, avocado oil? What do you? What do you I do? just use uh, like motor oil. <laughs> motor oil? Do you, do you like put garlic or anything in there? I don't. I, 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 it's a, for me, it's a, it's a, a pile of toenails with a motor oil kicker. Okay, cool. What do you do on the weekend? So how do you spend your free time? Do you want me to do the ad or? <laughs> yeah, so I was gonna. <laughs> Is that your segue? <laughs> I'm not. Uh, yeah, I was gonna hope you'd say. Listen, I'm not sure how you do it here. Uh, I, I, I listened to a couple of podcasts. Superhero Hour Hour is great because it's all the uh, superhero shows, and then uh, OCD is based on the only non-superhero show there is. It's the OC. Rate and review, subscribe. Hey guys, click the like button. Thank- <laughs> yeah, thanks, boy. We can get the fuck out of here, you weird toenail eating. <laughs> to talk about all of our social media is. The one and the only Jordan Peele's president, Barack Obama. Oh, well, uh, well uh, hello, Mike. I'm very glad to be here. And uh, frankly, I want to do a good job for the podcast. But also, I want to do a good job for America. Uh, I'm good friends with uh, Jordan Peele. And I think if he could be here today, he'd say, um, I don't want to be here. I want to go from here to somewhere else. Uh that does sound that does yeah. mean. <laughs> That's what that you know what? Uh I just think it's cuz this place is a garbage place full of uh garbage people and uh he wouldn't want to be around you or anybody else. Well, that's a little hurtful. I do I I respect you so much. I, I miss seeing you. Uh Jordan Peele's president Barack Obama. I've had there's a question that's always been burning in my sure. head. Uh Can you rank your kids for me? Uh yeah, uh there's uh um Malala of course, and um, then there's little uh, rickety Jim. Um, you know he uh, he's not too too tough. Not doesn't have too much vitality, but it's got a lot of soul and a lot of heart, and that's what's uh, important to this country. And then there's uh, Rupert uh, Rupert Grinch. Um, <laughs> everyone knows him, uh, of course. Uh, last uh, but not least would be Snooky. Um, yeah. Okay, it does seem like least because I asked you to rank them, and she was fourth, just so. very last. Comes in, coming in last. Last but definitely least. And do you like social media? Sure, or uh, the sure, yeah. uh, social media. I, I I myself have a Twitter account. I recommend uh, you go to at your pop filter uh, uh, Twitter uh, and also on Instagram at your pop filter. Uh, it's a great place to go for tweets and a uh, great place to uh, meet some like-minded people. Thank you, Jordan Peele, President Barack right. Obama. I I'm, miss uh, you. You know what? Uh, don't miss you. Okay, you're. Ruder than I yeah. thought you would be. So please, oh, well, all right. please I'll, leave. You know what? I don't want to be here anymore. Anyway, all right, you can leave. Thank you. Uh, and finally, to talk uh, all about all the ways you can contact us is uh, a character we didn't get to see, but I think if Keen Peel was still around today, we'd see Jordan Peel's president, Trump. <laughs> hey, what up? I'm Donald Trump. How <laughs> is everyone doing tonight? <laughs> have Have you been enjoying my suspenders? I hope that you have. One of them is rainbow, the other opposite rainbow. I already like you more than the... You know what that is? Double rainbow. Are we still talking about that? I got two (laughs) rainbows on my chest and you in my heart. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. Where are you from? I am from... uh, I uh, I hang out with a lot of like half goat, half men people on the island where they're all born. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you because you're going to bring you and your paparazzi down there and you're going to attack the island and you're going to throw water balloons. (laughs) What is... 
like, I know you don't want anybody going to this island to throw water balloons. <laughs> we don't like water balloons. Do you like friend? water balloons? <laughs> I doubt it. No. I doubt it. Uh, but what do you think? What's the best kept secret about this? Uh, the location, idiot. I'm not telling you where it is. <laughs> I just mean, what, do you, what, do, what is so great about the uh, island? Basically, that we have like uh, statues that get up and dance around. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you have that here. Uh, I've seen that you have that on your streets. Sometimes you make a lot of homeless people stand like statues and then dance around. We have that, but they were born statues. Yours were born homeless people. So there's a difference there. Uh Fake Trump, how would you feel about us killing the real one and you just kind of taking over from in here? I've been told by movies that might I be I thought about good. it. I could probably do it. I'm not sure if I had the type. Schedules and whatnot. All right. Date books, blackberries. Yeah, pretty- I got them all. <laughs> you're pretty busy with all your half-goat, half-men friends. I understand. Uh, can you tell us how to yes, contact us? Yes, there's a couple of ways you can contact us, uh, or you guys. One is to, of course, email you at contact at yourpopfilter.com. Yes? Yes? All right. Mm-hmm. Send an email right. to that address. If you send it to a different address, it will not get to you. Yes? 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 <laughs> That's how you call works. me fat? Yes. It, uh, <laughs> it sounded like you said facts, but I think you call me fat. <laughs> oh, you. You look pretty slim in your double ring. Thank you. I don't know. They're not even attached to pants. <laughs> yeah, they're just hanging there. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> What's your next question? <laughs> I don't think I have any. Could you kindly get off? Yeah, I'm out of here. But I decided to first. Water balloon splash. <laughs> oh, I just got splashed by a water balloon. <laughs> oh man! Did you love it, or was it the absolute? You know worst what? Thing it wasn't so bad. <laughs> yeah, I think some people have been really overreacting <laughs> to the danger of water balloons. Well, Mike, am I ready to take command of this dang old ship again? Please, best friend. All right. I'm also here too, guys. Hey, best hey, bud. Yeah. All right. You walk back in. Well, you guys were talking about reason. me, were you? No. Well, already. Never, never even. I think what we you. can all agree about this show is already. That's a classic right there. That's a classic right there. Tune in next week when we talk about some other show. But until then, hey, do me a favor, if you could. And it's not too much trouble. But if you can't, that's okay too. I'm going to go back downstairs, guys. But still, keep watching the movies!